Well, we've come to the day that we've all been waiting for. The day that Dustin finally ran out of cheesy train t-shirts and had to go back to the bib overalls. So. <laughs> hey, as we get started this morning, I just want to take a moment and say thank you for your graciousness with me. Uh, as we've been going through this stewardship uh, campaign, this stewardship series, uh, this isn't the easiest thing in the world to talk about, uh, but yet uh, you guys have been faithful to listen. You've been gracious with me in your response, and I just want to say thank you for that. It means a lot to me, so you can give yourselves a hand for that. So. We're going to do things a little bit different this morning. Uh, I've invited a couple people up to share with you. The first is Dave Mahoney. Uh, Dave is a member of our congregation who has really been blessed by the work of East Point uh, and has shared that with us. And I just wanted him to come up and share real quick. So please welcome Dave as he comes up this morning. East Point, I need some help. Would you help me this morning, please? I need you to repeat uh, when I point to you the right place, and we're going to practice three, two, one. The right place. Thank you. I have a question for you. Why are you here? Over the last 50 years, I've gone to church for a lot of different reasons. At 16, I was at church because I wanted to sit with a girl. But before the night was over, I discovered I had a giant void in my life. I had an empty heart. I needed Jesus. At 22, I was at church because I wanted to serve. It was something I was compelled to do. I had an overflowing heart. I needed to give back to Jesus who had given everything to me. At 45, I was at church because I needed to be served. My wife was ill and I couldn't do it by myself. I had a broken heart. I needed rescue, care, comfort from Jesus' people. At 16, I thought I was looking for a girlfriend, but I found my best friend. You are in? At 22, I wanted to make a difference. I offered my meager talents, and God made them transcendent. I was in? At 45, I couldn't take care of all my wife's complex medical needs. I discovered a church that surrounded us and refused to let us go. I was in, and you are in. Christ is here, patiently waiting, seeking a relationship with you, whether you need to accept Christ or have been on a faith journey for many years. The Bible says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to eternal life. You are in? Your talents and desire to serve will be welcomed here, whether it is teaching or leading or assisting or loving or praying or writing notes or sending texts or visiting or supporting, up front or in the back, in here or out there, you are in. Are you ready to give up, to give in? Are you discouraged, downhearted? Tell someone. Allow yourself to receive love and care. Reach out and you'll receive a hand up. You are in. Why do you think you're here? I believe God's unstoppable momentum has brought you here. Do you need to lead or be led? Do you need to feed or be fed? Do you need to love 
or be loved? Do you need to give or receive? Do you need to pray for or be prayed for? Do you need to provide care or be cared for? Do you need to encourage or be encouraged? You are in you are in the right place. You are in the right place. I, I think he can preach a little bit. What do you think? Hey, uh, as, we, uh, as we've been doing this with adults, with our Unstoppable campaign, we've also been working with our children and our youth. And so we want to invite up David and Jaquetta Alexander, along with their small army uh, that's here with them, uh, in order to talk about what's been going on with the children. Please welcome our children as they come up. Good morning, y'all. So um, we... We're talking to the children about the campaign, and um, we decided, you know, you adults can do what it is you do, but we children over here are going to blow y'all's campaign out the water, so, you know, <laughs> watch out now. Uh, they had big dreams, and um, we started with the scripture, Acts 4, um, where it talks about how the church gave all that they had and nobody lacked. And so we've been talking to them about community and unity and giving and what a tithe and the offering is. And um, we made our declaration that God is unstoppable, and so are we. Y'all want to say it with me? God is unstoppable, and so are we. And so that is their declaration. And so they have what you see here. They, um, this will be their coin jar. They are doing uh, coins for, for the campaign. And they have a choo-choo train that many of the parents have probably already seen in children's church where they'll be bringing in their change. And the girls are having a um, friendly competition with the boys to see who can bring in the most change. Um, they are welcome to bring them in on any Sunday. And um, we started with talking to them about a vision because we know that the Bible says we need to write the vision and make it plain. And so many of our children made uh, vision boards. And so I'll briefly go over some of those. So here, one of the running things was they wanted books and a library here in the church. Um, they want an arcade and an art room and a corn maze. We got a big enough field for that. <laughs> and uh, they don't just want a, um, well, we have a, a preschool. They want a high school and a grade school and a middle school. <laughs> they want it all. They talked about a greenhouse and a garden. Um, and then we have uh, field days and basketball camps, and I think they enjoyed the fish fry because that's up here again. And there was a running theme of food, food. One kid even wanted a train of cookies. So. <laughs> and so we have a cooking contest and a baking contest on there. So uh, like I said, dream big, but I think these kids might be dreaming bigger. So you, you adults, stay on your game. <laughs> Um, and as we go through this campaign, we just we want to invite the adults as well to get involved. You can feel free to bring your change. When you dig into your couch cushions and under your seats and you find change, feel free to pick a side. If you want to help the boys, pick a side, put it in the boys or the girls, but definitely encourage the kids to continue to be involved and to see their vision come through. So as there as you paying for things with cash and you get that change, and they're like, Mommy, Daddy, give me that change. Understand it's for a reason. We're really, really, really imparting it to them, and they're really looking to see their visions come through as well. So thank you. 
don't know about you, but I got my money on the girls winning that contest. So. <laughs> Hey, uh, here's where we're at so far. I wanted to give you an update. Uh, we had uh, 16 families that have gone ahead and gone ahead and uh, giving uh, and, and pledging. And those 16 families uh, gathered together uh, and they scraped the, ch the, chain up from, the change up from the corners of their house and everything else. And they have pledged $265,125 so far. So that... Puts us well over halfway to our first initial goal. And with all of your help, I believe that we can meet and even break our goals. And so we uh, are excited to see what comes up today. But today, while we're wrapping up the Unstoppable series, we're also diving back in the story. We're on week 25 of the story. And so I wanted to uh, play the video of the story for you here for this week. Uh, and then we'll dive right into the message. Because of what Jesus said and did, people wondered who Jesus was. His followers said to him, some people say you were John the Baptist, come back to life. Some say you were Elijah or one of the other prophets. What about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? Jesus' follower Peter spoke up. You are the Messiah. But Jesus told them not to tell anyone yet. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and two of the other disciples, James and John, high up on a mountain. When they got to the top, Jesus' appearance suddenly changed. His face shined like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Two men appeared next to him. They were Moses and Elijah. Then a voice came from the clouds, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. The disciples fell down terrified. When they got up and opened their eyes, only Jesus remained. From there, Jesus and his followers traveled to Jerusalem for a huge festival. Jesus went to the temple to share some of his thoughts with the crowd. There, the religious leaders became very angry at what Jesus was teaching. They knew he was claiming that he was the Messiah, the king they'd been waiting for. Enraged, they picked up stones to kill Jesus, but he managed to escape. After leaving Jerusalem, Jesus continued to teach and perform miracles. He heard that one of his good friends, Lazarus, was sick. So Jesus and the disciples traveled to where he lived. When they arrived, they discovered that Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus went to the tomb where Lazarus was buried, had the stone rolled away, and raised him from the dead. Soon it was time to go back again to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Two of his followers brought Jesus a meal to ride as he came into the city. When he did, huge crowds gathered along the streets, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowds loved Jesus but it didn't take long before he began clashing with the religious leaders again. He exposed their corruption and threatened their authority. So the leaders began devising a plan to get Jesus arrested. They met with Judas, one of Jesus's followers, who agreed to turn Jesus in to the authorities in exchange for some money. Then the religious leaders waited for the right opportunity to arrest him. 
Let me ask you a question today. Why is it that we do what we do? Why is it that we as a church choose to live sacrificially? Why is it that you choose to get out of bed each Sunday morning when you could just sleep in? Why is it that we choose to send people all over the world to share? Why do we do the things that we do? And the only answer that I can come up with is we do what we do because Jesus is the Messiah. Because Jesus is the promised one of God who's been promised since the very early chapters of the book of Genesis Jesus is the Son of God who has come to restore this world. Jesus is the one who has given us forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. That's why we do what we do, because Jesus indeed is the Messiah. And so this morning, as we come to this Commitment Sunday that we've been looking forward to over the past month, for those of us in the planning over the past three months, I want to take a look simply at that passage and that declaration where we confess that Jesus is the Christ. Because more than anything else, we want this to be a journey that you are on that helps to grow your faith and that grows our faith collectively. Because we believe that growing our faith is something that we are to do for all of our lives. And as we go to this text today that's in Matthew, the 16th chapter, starting in verse 13, what we're going to see is three commitments that come from this text. Three commitments. The first commitment is the commitment to confess. The commitment to confess. In Matthew 16, 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, those are three words that get your ears perked up, aren't they? Simon Peter answered, oh boy, what's he going to say this time? Well, he gets it right this time. He says, you are the Messiah, or you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We call this Peter's great confession, and it's something that we do whenever a person is baptized, whenever a person chooses to accept Christ as Lord, they make that confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Would you just say that with me together this morning? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We are to confess Jesus as Lord. That's the commitment to confess. Because this is the foundational commitment above every other one, isn't it? This is the reset button in your life. This is where you start fresh in your life. This is where you make that confession that Jesus is the Christ and everything else starts to change around you because of that confession that you have made. Let me just pause for a second and ask you this question. Have you made that commitment yet? Is that a commitment that you have declared in your life? 
Or have you been holding out from making that commitment? Have you declared that commitment in your life and have you chosen to follow Christ in baptism? To be born again, as the Bible says. If that's something you haven't done yet, I want you to know that you are welcome to respond to God's free offer anytime. He is ready to welcome you in tomorrow or next week or even today. And if you want to talk more about what that means to follow Jesus Christ as Lord, I would love to talk to you about that. That would make my day. I'd be free to talk to you about that anytime I possibly can, including right after this service. The commitment to confess, the foundational commitment that is here, is that we are to confess Christ Jesus as Lord. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But the second commitment we see is actually the commitment from Christ. Jesus responds to Simon Peter's commitment with a commitment of his own. He says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Not that Jonah, it's another Jonah. For this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Just for the record, he has lifted that commandment, okay? We are now to go and tell everyone that he is the Messiah. But I love this passage because it shows this commitment from Christ. And oftentimes we spend a lot of time talking about what this means for Peter. But I want to take a look at, at what happens right after this. These five words of Jesus, I will build my church. First and foremost, we see this is Jesus' church. He says, this is my church. He doesn't say, I will build Dustin's church. He doesn't say, I'll build all y'all's church. He says, I will build my church. We are here as sacred partners, as people who have been entrusted, as people who will serve alongside of Jesus, but make no mistake about it, this is his church. It always has been and it always will be. And the second thing that we see here gives me a lot of relief. I confess to you that I worry about this church. It's my heart for the church that causes it. As we've been in this stewardship campaign, I've worried about today. As we were moving here, I worried about how God would lead us. And I'll probably find something to worry about tomorrow, too. But these words give me great comfort. Jesus just doesn't declare that this is his church and then give us the hammers and the saws and tell us to build it. Jesus makes the commitment, I will build my church. And I love this. Yes, we are to work alongside of Jesus. Yes, we are to take steps of faith. Yes, we are the church. We are Christ's bride. 
But at the end of the day, we must trust that it's God that's doing the building through our hands, through our feet, and through our mouths, and through our hearts. This is Jesus' church, and he will build it. Then he goes on to say there, and that gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. That's a bold promise right there, isn't it? The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. We have faced many obstacles in our 70 years as a church at East Point. First at Norton Church of Christ and now at East Point. But you know what we found out every time that we have faced a trial? Every trial we have faced, we have learned that God is faithful to keep this promise. That the gates of hell will not prevail against God's churches, against his global church, and against our individual church here at East Point. The gates of hell will not prevail because Satan is not as powerful as Jesus is. His power is very limited in your life. He likes to flaunt his stuff like that weird guy at the gym who's, who's staying and taking selfies in front of the mirror. He likes to make you think he's bigger than he really is, but it's just a funny camera angle. You see, if you take the camera angle from this world, it looks like Satan's got all kinds of power. But you take that camera angle from up high, you take that cam- camera angle from heaven, and you see that he's just a dot. He's just a speck who will someday be stomped out. He has already been stomped out at the cross, and there's a day coming when he will lose all of his power for all eternity. On that day when Christ returns, and we look forward to that day, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is one heaven of a commitment right there. The commitment to confess is ours, that we confess that Jesus is Lord, but the commitment from Christ is from Jesus himself. He has made a commitment to his bride, and he will not break that commitment. And finally, we see the commitment of the cross. After Peter makes that statement, declaring that Jesus is the Christ, and after Jesus promises to Simon Peter what will happen as a result It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. That's a lot. You see, they were expecting a military conqueror to be the Messiah. They were expecting Jesus to lead a revolution that overthrew the Roman government from Jerusalem, that Israel would be returned to like the days of David. But Jesus had something much bigger in mind than that. He had the restoration of the entire world in his heart. And he knew that that would require a sacrifice. That would require him laying down his life. Well, Peter, Peter responds again. And and as great as his first comment was, his second one is equally as bad, okay? Here's what happens. It says that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Can we just pause here for a second? And and can I just let you know that if you have it laid upon your heart to rebuke Jesus, I would strongly recommend not doing that. Okay? That's probably not God. That's definitely not God if you're rejecting or or, or uh, rebuking Jesus here. Okay? It is much better to allow him to rebuke us than to try to rebuke him. 
But this, what, G, what Jesus was teaching just baffled Simon Peter so much. I just declared you're the Christ, and now you're saying you're going to lay down your life. What in the world are you talking about? And so Peter began to rebuke him, and he said, Never, Lord. He said, This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Well, that's a way to get somebody's attention when Jesus calls you Satan, isn't it? He's saying, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, including Peter, whoever wants to be my disciple, and this goes for us too, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Let me give you a little tip. This world is all about finding your life, finding the true you. What I want to suggest to you is what Jesus is suggesting to you, what he is telling us. Don't waste your time trying to find your life. Spend your time trying to deny yourself and you will find who Christ has really made you to be. Submit yourself to his authority. Submit yourself to his lordship and you will find who the God of the universe has created you to truly be. This is the commitment of the cross that we've been reading about, that we are to take up our crosses and follow Jesus. The third commitment we see in this text. We are to take up our crosses and follow Jesus. In our world, it can mean many things. It certainly involves our ambitions, our desires, our passions, our dreams. And since we're in a stewardship campaign, it can obviously also mean our finances and all that goes along with that as so much of our identity and our culture centers around our finances. But yet, as we choose to deny ourselves and to find ourselves in Christ, we find ourselves in a place where we can make a sacrificial commitment with our lives, with every bit of who we are, with our time, with our efforts, with our minds. And yes, it also includes with our pocketbooks, with what God has called us to do. We are to take up our crosses and follow Jesus daily. And that means that we are to grow in Christ from where we're at to where God is leading us. Each one of us is called to grow, and that includes in our giving. We've encouraged you over the past several weeks to take this selfless giving journey with us. That is, if you're not giving anything, to start by giving something. It's a big step. Because we can hold on so tightly to what we have. Let me encourage you to be like 38 Special and to hold on loosely, okay? Because it's not ours anyway. It's all God's. Then after we give something, we can give something regularly. That means giving something weekly or monthly, recognizing that this is just a part of who we are. We are to give back to God because everything we have is His. We grow to a point where we can give a tithe or 10%. But that's not to be a checkered flag for any of us or a stopping or a point where we say, I finally arrived. But that last step of giving radically, 
Something we see practiced by many people, even in poor countries, where they have very little. It's not about how much you have, it's about how much you keep. And by giving a tithe and by giving radically, what we're saying is this is really all God's. We can live off less and that's okay. We can trust in God for his provision and he will be faithful to provide. My mom has been a stay-at-home mom for 43 years. I am 43 years old. If you want to do the math on that one, it's pretty simple. She went back to work one day after having me and couldn't stand being away from me. (laughs) At least that's when she told me when I was sad one time. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the way it worked. But my parents really didn't start following Christ until I was about seven or eight years old. And so a mom never really gave uh, an offering of anything that she had earned as far as money goes. Uh, she gave plenty around the house, trust me. She did plenty in our community. But it was dad who was the breadwinner, and so when, she, when they gave together, she felt more like it was dad giving than her giving. But for the first time in 43 years, she has developed a source of income. She goes to the Goodwill store, that they have there, a Goodwill warehouse, and she finds things that are marked down very cheap that nobody knows how valuable they really are. And she started buying these things and then selling them online. And before you knew it, she was raking in a pretty good amount of cash for her efforts. Best of all, she loved her job. It's great. You can go buy things for less and you can go sell them for more. (laughs) The American way, isn't it? But while we were back a few weeks ago for my aunt's funeral, uh, the kids were around and Nana was talking about her newfound hobby and she showed us the pile of cash that she had. I'm not going to tell you how much was there, but it was, it was a pretty good pile. There were some big bills in there. We were proud of her. And we, we asked her, what are you going to do with it? She said, well, I don't know yet. Fast forward, our kids were on spring break last week, so they went out to Nana and Pa's house, my mom and dad's house. And I went to go pick them up, and the night I went to go pick them up, Nana had a little family meeting at the table, and she called in Tyler and Nora around the table, and she said, kids, I want you to go get that jar. And uh, she said, I want you to count how much money's in there. I was amazed that our kids knew how to use this crazy thing called cash, since they're growing up in a digital age, but they did, and they, they counted it up, and it was a pretty good sum. Then she said, I want you to divide it in half. So they did their math, and they divided it in half. They got the number right. It was, it was really good. They're showing their division skills, which was amazing. And then she said, I want you to put that in an envelope, Tyler, and that's for you to give on Sunday. And Nora, I want you to put yours in another envelope, and that's for you to give on Sunday. And she told us that this was the first time that she felt like that she had ever been able to give off something that she had earned. And so she didn't want to give 10%. She wanted to give it all. And so our kids got to see that act of generosity. I got to see my mom inspired. I got to be inspired by her generosity too. I say that because what we're doing today with this stewardship commitment, it's not so much about you and it's not so much about me, but it's about what God wants to do through East Point in the future. It's about the neighbors that God wants to reach. It's about the next generation. These kids up here, 
Do you think that they're growing in faith through all this? Absolutely. And that's what it's all about for us. It's about saying, how can we be as healthy as possible as a church so that we can reach as many people for Jesus as, as possible? And so as we come today to this time of commitment, we're going to invite you up in a few minutes when we sing to bring your commitment cards and your offerings up to these suitcases up front because we are on a journey together. This isn't the end of the journey. It's the beginning. It's the start of a new day forward for East Point, a new day forward of financial health, a new day forward of only God can, of seeing his provision collectively together. Now, there are a few things that I need to go by on just a way of, uh, of details for you. If you make out a check, any check for the Unstoppable campaign, you can make it out to East Point, or, and then you can just put Unstoppable in the memo line at the bottom left-hand corner. If you're giving online, you have two options. You can give to the general fund, or if you're giving anything or setting up a recurring donation online, just set that up, uh, everything today for the Unstoppable campaign. You'll see it. it's very easy to do. Only takes about three minutes to do once you have uh, your bank information ready. But I want you, if you would, take out that giving card, that commitment card that they're on your seats or there are several in your row, or maybe you brought one with you. If you don't have one around you, just look around to some empty seats. There are plenty that are out there. And on there, there are three different uh, things to fill in and then a total. The first one is the kickoff gift. That's what we've been calling you to give courageously for, to come and to write the biggest check you've ever written to a church, to make that offering to the church on today. Now, if you don't have that with you right now, you can also give online uh, through, uh, through the end of today. That will go towards today's totals as well. Then the, the My Commitment line that is next on there, that is how we give consistently. That's over the course of the next 25 months, your commitment to the church, whether you're giving weekly or monthly. There's a chart on the back. Everything adds up. If you give $100 a month, that winds up being $2,500 by the end of it all. And if you go on down through there, if you're in a place where you can give $1,000 a month, that winds up being $25,000. It's amazing how everything adds up. And then finally, the non-cash gifts, that's how you can give creatively. If you've still got something that you want to sell and give to the church, you can put down a rough donation. That's like what my mom did. That's like what we heard about with the tennis shoes a few weeks ago. Those cool stories like that. And so what I'm going to do here in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And then as we sing the next song, I'm going to invite you to take some time to fill out these cards. Maybe you already filled out a card. I know we've had this happen twice already. People who have already filled out a card turned it in and they came back to us and said, you know what, we want to give more. We said, sorry, we can't do that. You already turned in your card. <laughs> no, we'll always say to you, if you, if you have done that, and you want to do more, then you can just write down as a note, just put replace on the line, and the people who are counting these up will make sure uh, and replace yours with the, with the accurate one. Guys, this is a big step forward for us as a church. This is a huge step that a lot of us have been spending a lot of time working behind the scenes in. But more than anything, this is something that God's been leading us to, this place where we can come to help our church gain its financial health back where we can go and help this church to fulfill its mission to reach this side of Columbus with the good news of Jesus Christ. This is just the starting point, but man, is it a huge step forward for us.
And we're doing this simply because we believe that Jesus is the Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the generosity that this church has already shown and continues to show today. Lord, we recognize that these last several years for us have been difficult years, but that you have been faithful through them all. And Lord, as we look to the next several years, we look to today as a milestone, as an only God can moment for our church to come together, to give sacrificially, to help lead forward for the next generation of Christ followers. And so we pray, Lord, that you, if you haven't already done so, that your spirit would lay upon our hearts the amount that we are to give, that we would listen obediently, that we would be willing to take that step of faith, that risk, and to believe that you indeed are holy and that you are trustworthy and that everything we have is already yours. So Lord, we give ourselves to you now and pray for you to do a great work in our church today and in the weeks and the months to come as we celebrate what you do. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for every person that you have sent here to East Point. And we thank you for the many more that will come in the months and the years to come. In Christ's name, amen. Whenever you're ready as we sing this song, you can stand if you'd like to. Uh, you can come forward and place your cards in either of these suitcases. You can place your offerings in these suitcases. And then I'll come back in a few minutes and close this off. Let's worship together.
All right, the last piece of business we have for today is I'm going to auction off these uh, bib overalls, if any of you'd like. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, can I, I hear $50 out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't have anything to wear at home if I did that, so let's not do that. That would be... That would be bad. So a uh, couple of things. You can remain standing. Uh, I just got a couple of things for you real quick. First, there's a men's breakfast next Saturday morning or this Saturday morning uh, coming up at 8 a.m. If you're a man, we would love to have you there. It's a great time uh, to grow together. Uh, secondly, uh, Easter Sunday is April 17th. That's two weeks from today. Uh, we'll have our regular service times at 9.30 and 11. Invite your friends, invite your family, invite your neighbors. Uh, invite, say, hey, we'll meet you there. We'll meet you at the doors. We'll bring you, we'll pick you up. We'll take the kids, whatever we can do, all right? It's a great opportunity for people to come and to hear. Uh, and finally, our celebration Sunday. We'll be announcing the totals of the campaign on Sunday, April 24th. So three weeks from today, we'll be announcing the totals and celebrating that together. Uh, if you are watching online and haven't had an opportunity to give yet, you can give online. Uh, you can send us an email with your commitment in it if you don't have a card. Or we'll also be sending some out this week uh, to those who we know of addresses that you can respond via the mail if that's the case. So um, let me bless you guys and then we will go, okay? May you truly believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God. And because you believe that deep in your heart, may you have the courage to take up your cross daily and to follow Him, to lose your life, and yet somehow in Christ to find it. May you have that hope and peace that comes only from knowing Christ as Lord. Amen. Go in peace.